This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox in for Martin Strong. And in just a few moments, we'll welcome back John Carlson of 2% West Coast Realty. But first, here are some more of the week's top consumer stories. Consumer Reports this week announcing some popular three-row SUVs will need a free repair because their third-row seatbelts might not protect occupants in a crash. The recall includes the 2021 and 2022 model year category Cadillac Escalade and Escalade ESV, along with the Chevy Tahoe and Suburban, and GMC Yukon and Yukon XL SUVs. The buckles on their third row seatbelts may have been installed incorrectly at the factory, and pieces of the buckle assembly may come apart. Both the left and right side belts are included in the recall. As a result, the seatbelts might not properly restrain third row occupants. Now, GM says it's aware of eight instances where seatbelt buckle assemblies separated, none of which led to crashes or injuries. After the failures were reported, the seatbelt supplier changed its manufacturing processes and instituted an additional inspection step to ensure that new parts were not affected by the same issue. Now, dealerships will inspect the seat buckle assemblies on those recalled vehicles and, if necessary, replace them with new parts free of charge. GM says that drivers whose vehicles are involved in the recall may be eligible for a rental car or courtesy transportation until the repair is performed. GM will begin notifying vehicle owners by mail by September 26, or you can go online to the GM Recall Center. If taking a pill or more per day is part of your routine, listen to this. According to a new study published in the journal Physics of Fluids, your posture and body positioning when you take a pill can have notable impacts on how fast the pill dissolves and when you start to feel the effects. The study showed the most effective way to position yourself is lying down on your right side. This has a dissolution rate of roughly 2.3 times faster than if in an upright position or lying on your back. On average, a pill will take 10 minutes to dissolve if you're on the right side position. Researchers showed this right side position sends the pill directly to the deepest part of the stomach. Most pills don't start working until they enter that part. The faster the pill dissolves, the faster it will be injected into your system. The next best position is upright, whether seated or standing, with a 23-minute dissolution time compared to 10 for lying on your right side. Lying on your back comes in as a close third. However, the study also shows lying on your left side is the most ineffective way to absorb a pill into your system. A pill can take up to 100 minutes to dissolve. However, for some, feeling the effects of medication immediately is not a priority, for example, taking time-release pills. Some new info on how to best take your daily meds. And researchers also add, check with your doctor if you have any questions. It may take you a few times if you're not used to taking any pills lying down. I'm not, so practice will be necessary.
Oh, and are you looking for a job this fall? Well, the folks at McDonald's are looking to hire more than 20,000 people across Canada, making it one of the country's biggest employers. Working at that major fast food chain has long been a great option for youth just starting their first job or for students needing a flexible schedule. The company also ensures all employees have access to further opportunities at every level of the business, from the front counter to the office. And according to statistics supplied by the chain, 89% or almost 9 in 10 hiring managers agreed that those they've hired with a McDonald's background displayed high levels of all those workplace skills. So watch for McDonald's Canada hiring ads soon around Metro Vancouver. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have a look at even more later on. We'll take a quick break right here. And when we come back, we'll welcome back John Carlson of 2% West Coast Realty. Stay with us. Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox sitting in for the vacationing Martin Strong and it's a real pleasure to say hello to John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation and welcome Johnny Smartpoint back to Vancouver Consumer. John, good afternoon. Hey Sterling, it's wonderful to be back with you. I, I just can't say it enough. Thanks again. Well, you and I have been doing this show or have done this show dozens and dozens of times, but you and I haven't done this for a couple of years. And my gosh, John, it's about probably, and you've been in this business for a long time. It Have you seen a more dramatic two years in Vancouver real estate than the last two? No, you know, I have not. And, uh, you know, I was just about to joke that uh, a lot has happened since last time we spoke. Uh, but yeah, when you look at the market, the ups and the downs, the dramatic shifts, and it's not just the real estate market. It seems to be a lot of areas of life since uh, COVID took effect a little over two years ago. So it has been a market full of change for sure. Now, talk to us a little bit about the the kind of uh, the ups and downs. Would you agree, for example, John, that uh, the consensus appears to be, uh, at least in this corner of Canada, we hit peak house in about mid-February of this year. Would you agree with that? I'd say that's very close. Um, February and maybe early March as well. Um, these were times when sellers had just un, almost seemed like unlimited leverage when it came time to selling their home, multiple offers, dozens of potential buyers, uh, each one of them looking to outdo the other and each one of them looking to finally be successful. And, and some of these buyers at that time in the market had been put through the grinder. I mean, they had bid and lost and bid and lost. And so yeah. as an agent who looks at a lot of listings and offers coming through, I remember at that time agents saying to me, John, what do we have to do with our offer? Can we make it better? Can we do this? Can we do that? And, you know, things changed shortly thereafter. And now we're in a market that seems to have the shoe on the other foot to some degree. It's interesting, though, that when you were when you were saying what what your clients were asking, what they might do to improve their chances of selling their home, I'm sure the expression "find the smart point" came up more than once. Talk to us about your your website is johnnysmartpoint.com, but you have the smart point is is a big feature of your approach to real estate. Talk to us about the smart point and how you counsel clients to find it. Well, thank you. Um, the smart point is a pretty simple idea. Really, I put myself in the shoes of potential buyers and sellers. 
most of my business is home sellers. The only buyers I work with are people whose homes I've already sold. Okay. Um, but the smart point to me was, you know, recognition that consumers have a lot of options out there in the market. Uh, you can put a for sale sign on your lawn yourself with your phone number and you can field your own calls and there's nothing wrong with that. Is it the wisest thing? Not necessarily. Uh, you could um, hire any number of different real estate agents at any number of different companies with any number of different uh, commission structures. And so the smart point to me really is um, first and foremost to provide, uh, I, I feel I provide home sellers with uh, a tried and true experienced agent who gets the job done. And I also tend to save people money compared to the majority of agents out there. Commissions are always negotiable and commissions are always, uh, you know, they're, they're, they vary. There's no set commission rates, but at a 2% realty commission, I tend to save people significant money compared to most of the other agents they talk to. So my feeling is if I can make it, you know, almost a no brainer for people to call me or work with me, uh, provide a good track record, get good results and save people money, that's probably a smart place to be for a seller. And that's the idea in, in general of the smart point. And then more particularly, I think good advice helps people enter the market with the right positioning and the right expectations and the right skill set. So the job gets done in a timely manner. And that, I guess, would also be the secondary smart point is, uh, you know, hitting the market in the maximum way and then making the most of whatever your opportunities are on the market. Yeah. And I suppose the reality of it, particularly as, as, as you acknowledge, uh, mid-February, uh, early March as being peak house, the reality is that the marketplace has changed quite a bit. And the smart point, John, is a moving target. And if you're trying to, to be at that smart point, to be appropriately and properly and attractively priced, um, it, it's a bit of a challenge these days because there's so much change going on. You're absolutely right. You really hit that on the head, Sterling. The market has changed quite a bit, and the the smart point, if you will, is a moving target. You said it beautifully. Uh, in fact, you know, I'm I'm an open book when it comes to my clients, and even really on this radio program, to to the most part, I I tend to speak my mind and and tell the truth as I understand it, and that's the only way I really operate. And the truth of the market is right now that you know doing evaluations is a little bit trickier because. If I were to look in any particular segment, whether it be a condo, a townhouse, a detached house, an acreage, whatever it might be, you look back for three or four months sometimes, or maybe two or three, and it's hard to find any comparable sales, but you can find an awful lot of active listings that are sitting on the market, some of them dropping price many times. So, you know, really, it, it, you know, that it is a bit of a moving target. And I think the yeah. number one things that sellers need to do right now is to have good information about the market they're operating in so they can make good discussions because, Quite frankly, I think that a large number of the listings on the market right now are not really positioned necessarily to sell in the immediate future. And I think sellers need to understand what they're up against in terms of the market declining month after month recently. So, John, with that, can I infer from that last remark that you think a lot of prices in Metro Vancouver are still priced too high? Well, you know, that's a great question. It, it actually you know, and it doesn't matter what I think. The, the proof is in the pudding. Um, I'll give you a, a, just a quick example without letting too much go. I, I've been on holidays, but I, I had a call from a, a potential client. And I went to see them and uh, they have a, a great house in a great area. Um, and when I took a look at their particular segment in their price range, I mean, the last sale was, I think, May 11th and prior to that, May 1st. But there were probably 12 to 15 listings that they could potentially compete with to one degree or another that had been on the market for various lengths of time. So right. with that kind of information, you know, you want to take a look and say, hey, you know, sellers, 
what are your thoughts here? That's what I say to people. What do you believe? I'll, I'll be happy to tell you what I see in the market, but do you believe that we're on a trend where these all-time high prices are coming off month after month after month and this trend will continue? Uh, obviously, at some point, the market bottoms out a little bit and maybe interest rates go down and consumer confidence goes back up. But for the foreseeable future, if you believe that the market is adjusting, then it probably makes more sense to sell sooner rather than later. Uh, right. And so to be positioned properly uh, is key. And I think that, you know, I've introduced this concept a couple of weeks ago on this program. Getting under the market is something that I think a lot of sellers should probably consider. Um, given that if they're on the market for three months, the sale, eventual sale price will be lower than if they're on the market for one month. Um, so these are things, these are the kind of conversations I have with potential sellers. And when, again, to answer your question, when you look at the market and you see that, uh, you know, there are very few sales in any segment, and there are more, far more price reductions than there are sales. I think it becomes pretty clear that buyers are, you know, we want a good value proposition. And if you are not one of the better value propositions in your uh, segment, you're probably not going to get any offers. And therefore, there's going to be no negotiating. Where, whereas if you offer a, a good uh, value proposition, and I'm not talking about leaving money on the table, I'm talking about shaving off money that was never there to begin with, uh, then chances are you will get the offer at some point, And then the skill set comes in and how to defend that price with negotiation. So again, totally different market from the last time we talked, completely different than February. Right now, you want to position and you want to hold as best you can in recognition that buyers are somewhat limited in terms of how much money they can borrow. And they're also very cautious to not make a mistake and overpay for property. So different game. Changes happening every day in the real estate market. And uh, my goal is to give people good advice so they can maximize it. Yeah, need to take a break here in a second. But just before we do, John, days on market. It used to be a big deal if you listed a property and it lasted more than two or three weeks. Oh, boy, something's really wrong here in the in those high demand days. Some, some You've been there. Sometimes you'd put a sign out at lunchtime and by supper time you'd have a sale. Well, those days are long gone. Do days on market in terms of listing time, does that matter at all anymore? It matters in a number of ways to a seller. Um, the longer you're on the market the last two or three months, the less you've sold for. I mean, that's a statistical reality. So if you listed your house, uh, say in April, and you're still on the market now, chances are you're not gonna get anywhere near what you would have got had you been a little more attractive two or three months ago. Um, so that matters. But on the other side of things, when buyers look at listings, um, if a listing has been on the market a long time, and a long time is a relative thing, as we just discussed, uh, but if the market, if the if a property's been on the market for say two months, uh, you know, I think a buyer wants to know, hey, have there been any price reductions? And if there haven't, then uh, you know, oftentimes the buyer will say, gee, nobody else was interested. Why should I be? And that's part of the psychology of pricing well. So good question, but it's no sin, if you will to be on the market a little while these days and to adjust sure. your price as necessary. But then that's that getting under the market point that you were making with Martin last time around. Just again, it's being attractively priced, isn't it? Well, that's a that's a big part of it. And, um, you know, what is attractively priced today? I, I can tell you honestly that some of the sellers I've had this conversation with, I mean, when I go back to April, I was talking to sellers about, hey, you know, this thing has changed. We, we want to be more careful about how we price a property. I can tell you in virtually every instance uh, of a sale that I've had since about April um, that if, if there's been enough time, except for my most recent ones, of course, I've had a good run here. And if we look back historically, we'll look back at those prices and say, you know what, we did very, very well compared to the homes that are currently on the market. So you want to be careful how you handle it for sure. And I think that's where a professional comes in. 
We are talking with a consummate professional, John Carlson of 2% Realty. His phone number, 604-612-0080. Again, that's 604-612-0080. Always happy to speak to new clients. John Carlson and lots more from Johnny SmartPoint right after this on Vancouver Consumer. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox sitting in for the vacationing Martin Strong, joined by John Carlson from 2% West Coast Realty. John, as you've uh, mentioned before the news, uh, talking about what's been going on since February, and things have quietened down a fair bit, not only here in Metro Vancouver, but right across Canada with interest rate increases and all those sorts of things. And summer, this summer, has been really kind of quiet. Are you expecting these quiet times to continue or perhaps expecting maybe a bit of an uptick in activity come September? Good question, Sterling. And, uh, you know, as we've discussed, the market is not what it was. And I find, you know, just personally, August has been pretty slow. My phone is not ringing a lot. Um, you know, it, a lot of people, I think, Sterling, are on holidays. Yeah. Let's face it, with COVID, we all kind of suffered for a while. And now the sun is out and people are having some freedom. And, you know, I think that August will continue to be slow. In fact, I'll be taking time off probably throughout the rest of August. Not that you can't call me because I still check my messages. But if I'm selling my house or if I'm advising someone what to do, I think that it's very wise to wait until after the long weekend of September. I don't think the audience is uh, fully engaged yet in the market, but September is the start of the fall market. And traditionally spring markets and fall markets tend to be really strong. So I would guess that whoever might be sitting on the sidelines and still looking at, you know, buying a home or selling a home, I think that the market will have a bit of an uptick again in September and that buyers will return to the market compared to say August, this month that we're in, but with one caveat that again, buyers are very value conscious and buyers understand that the market is, it has been in decline and probably will continue to some degree. So they're very value conscious. So don't don't list it, you know, August 30th, because that's almost like a news announcement with nobody there hearing it. Let's wait till <laughs> right. after the long weekend and hit the market priced proper for this market. We'll look good with photos. We'll have good descriptions. We'll do 3D tours, floor plans. I'll announce some of my new listings as we can carry on with this radio show. And I can give people good exposure in the market. But I would say August is pretty much a holiday month. September, I expect things to pick up. And uh, we're going to report back in a couple of weeks to see how that goes. Here's something from John's website, friends. A property that shows well, that is priced right, and that is marketed professionally will sell, regardless of who's listing it and regardless of how much commission the seller has agreed to pay. Buyers don't care whose name is on the lawn sign or whose smiling face is beside the realtor.ca listing. Buyers only care whether the property they're considering purchasing fits their criteria and their budget. This is intuitively obvious. And yet, John, uh, the, the, the notion of caring and, and all of that sort of thing gets, gets really swept away a lot. And, and people, I, I think, get, get caught up in personalities and, and, and that distracts from the mission of selling the house. So uh, selling the house with a maximum profit and a minimum of commission, that's not a bad mission statement now, is it? 
I don't think so. And it served me pretty well, quite frankly. So even in this slower market, I have tended to be busy. And that's partly a product of just me being around a long time, I guess. And I have a lot of past clients. But even right now, I mean, I'm down to one listing. I had a few sell uh, recently in the last few weeks. And some I probably have some more coming along in September because I've been talking to people who are getting ready. But you know, right. if you are thinking of selling, I'm available. I don't think I'm going to be overwhelmed or overworked. I don't think too many realtors will be in September, October, November. And if you ask me, September, October, November represent the three months out of probably the next five or six where you really have a good chance of selling with an audience being there and prices still being relatively high compared to the all-time highs. And yeah. I think after the December and January market, we're going to wait for a new spring market, which could have an entirely new level of pricing. Again, we got to wait and see on that. Sure. Now, John, in September, we do know the Bank of Canada has determined it's going to raise its interest rate, perhaps not to the dramatic effect that they did last time around, but there's going to be a bump. Has that already been baked into people's plans in terms of expectations, price-wise, et cetera, for September? To some degree, it has. Um you know, we've had we've seen a few bumps now and, uh, you know, incremental raise interest rate rise. And every time there's a there's a there's a raise in the rate, you, you kind of shake the tree for people who want to buy before they have to pay that new higher rate. So that's happened right. a couple of times now. And I think that tree has been shaken pretty good. But mm -hmm. there are always people who, for some reason, want to or need to buy a home or sell a home. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, the way I see it is if it were announced tomorrow that gas prices were going to come down 50 cents a liter by Friday, there'd still be people buying gas this week. But chances are a lot of us would wait. You know, we wouldn't buy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday. And I, I think that that mentality is really something that the buyers have adopted. And with some of the buyers I've personally worked with recently, I mean, it's, it's very simple. I tell them this. If you see something you absolutely love and you want to make an offer on it, let's do that. And let's see what kind of terms we can get to make you happy. And, and maybe interest rate timing plays into that. But sure. on the other hand, if you're just looking at a property that doesn't really thrill you, time is on your side. So I think there are buyers out there looking. They're waiting to see what happens. They don't want to make a mistake, but they do have some urgency to buy a home. And these are the buyers who are going to be choosing the best value propositions they can find in their segment. So that's why you want to be one of those good value propositions that attracts the buyers. And then again, as I said, when the offers come in, it's not a slam dunk, unconditional $100,000 over list price like it might have been before. We have to we have to fight, we have to negotiate, and we have to demonstrate value of your home to the potential buyers to convince them to, you know, to pay the highest price possible. Indeed. And you call that defending the price and uh, and for good reason, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in this kind of market, you have to defend the price. There's a lot of uncertainty. That's the other thing we haven't talked about. Even a willing buyer who has access to maybe money, they don't need a lot of financing. They're kind of scared or at least conscious of the fact that they don't want to make a mistake and uh, you know buy a property and then have the identical house next door two months later sell for $200,000 less. Nobody wants to exactly. be underwater. Yeah. So that's part of it as well. Let's talk about commissions. Let's take a couple of moments and talk about the 2% realty reality when it comes to selling your home. John, a, a million dollars, uh, especially for a single family detached home, is a bit actually on the low side for a typical Metro Vancouver property, but it's a recognizable number. So let's use that as an example, uh, likely low but for many, but let's use it because it's a nice round number. A, a house that sells for $1 million, uh, 
most other brokers around Metro Vancouver, we'll pay a commission on that million dollar sale of about $29,500. However, with 2% West Coast Realty, your commission on exactly the same property is a flat $20,000. The, the difference? $9,500, which you get to keep and which you'll probably need because, John, as you've discovered more than most of us, moving always costs a lot more than you expected to. And that savings comes in pretty handy right away. You know, and if this is, if this is your principal residence, that's tax-free money. And correct, there, there are fees associated beyond commissions with moving and property transfer taxes, movers oh, yeah. and all these things. But even if there weren't, wouldn't you rather get more money in your pocket? You know, uh, close to $10,000 in this case. And I, I do want to underline the fact that when we talk about these numbers, we're comparing a 2% commission to a 7% of the first 100,000 and two and a half of the balance commission. So again, right. commissions, they vary. There's no set rates, but I think most people will find if they interview a bunch of realtors that that's, the, that's what the majority of agents in this area are charging. So I'm happy to give what I consider better value to uh, my, my home sellers and also provide the good results that come with 26 years of experience and selling a lot of homes. So, um, you know, that's the smart point again, and it's what I offer potential sellers, and that's what keeps me busy, quite frankly. Uh, in terms of uh, offering evaluations on properties these days, you were talking about it earlier in our first segment, John, and, and for a, an experienced professional like yourself, and you've just told us how long you've been in the business, even for a, a pro like yourself, doing evaluations in these changing times is a challenge. So if you're a homeowner who doesn't really have much connection to the daily pricing nuances of the real estate market, you really do need the services of a professional just to have an idea of where you stand in today's real estate market, don't you? I think you do. Uh, you know, and, and if you look at say, and a lot of homeowners, quite frankly, they're pretty well educated. They look around, they read statistics, they talk to their neighbors and all these things. And that's all wonderful. I encourage it. But, you know, let's talk about statistics. If you were to say, look at last month versus this month, say you're looking at houses in Burnaby, detached houses, maybe you're looking at condos in Langley, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. You'll see statistically that that property sales wise has dropped maybe between, I don't know, one and a half and two and a half percent in the last month. Right. Same thing the yep. month before. But that doesn't really tell the story, because if you can imagine 15 potential listings in a segment and only one or two sales in the last three months, and they're taking those sales and using that as a statistical analysis. Well, what about the other 13 listings that didn't sell? What about them? This is a supply and demand business. And, and I don't think necessarily these sale prices are telling the whole story because when you've gone from a market where virtually everything's selling to a market where very little is really selling compared to the overall inventory, you got to think that those unsold listings are either going to come off the market or they're going to adjust their price downward reluctantly. And, and sellers do reluctantly drop their price if they have the motivation to sell and the market is no longer there. So it's human nature to remember the all-time highs. And we're still somewhat close to those numbers, but every month yeah. we're slipping a little bit further away. John, if you have a house that's on the market now, right now, and it's been on market for several weeks, maybe even a month or two, and it's just not moving because you already know the price is just over top, it's, it's just too high, is it wiser to just trim your price, make a price adjustment, or take the house off the market, re return to the market as a new listing in a month with, a, with an adjusted, more attractive price? Which of the two strategies is most effective? That's a great question. And I want to be careful because when you uh, bring up 
the example of houses that have been on the market for a while. These these examples, I guess, would be properties listed by other agents, and I don't represent those sellers, so I have to be very careful about throwing advice out to people who have been on okay, the market. Enough. But um, if it, if I have a listing right now, let's say in August, and we're not getting anywhere, and September long weekend rolls around, I think it's much better to relist a property fresh. Uh, at the new price, like so let's right. say you're going to drop a thirty thousand dollar price. Let's just say that. Well, you can drop it thirty grand, and it's still been on the market four months, and the buyers might not really get that excited about it. But a new listing that comes out tends to get emailed to people on search notifications and all that sure. sort of thing, and it gets more attention. So, I'm a believer in you know a small adjustment. Great, you make an adjustment to the listing. But if you're having, if you're running up and bumping up into a wall. Probably what you want to do in early September is to reevaluate things. You want to look at your competition, find out how many, if any, have sold, what they have done regarding pricing. And then if you come up with a new price, it's not that hard to cancel a listing and relist it so that it's fresh. And, you know, I'm not the only agent who would do that, but I think that's usually a pretty good idea depending on the circumstances. Interesting. I wanted to come back briefly to this notion of defending the price and having the property look its optimum when the when the buyers or potential buyers make that all important visit for the showing. Uh, that's a big part of defending the price, advising the client on how best to present their property. And, and, and I wonder how much how much time and focus you, you spend on that. Well, you know, when I learned real estate many years ago, one of the teachers that taught me said, that's why they shine the apples at Safeway, Johnny. And, and you know, that's kind of <laughs> stuck with me. It, you you want to shine it up. Now, you, you don't want to make an apple, a, a pineapple or an orange because you can't do that. So you work, you know, understand what you have. But here's another good point when it comes to, you know, this discussion. Some homes, some properties, much easier to defend in terms of price than others. And my theory is this. If you have a house, let's just say, that's in a cul-de-sac, on a green belt, close to a certain school, that's away from traffic, it's quiet, it's private, it's got income from a basement, it's got RV parking, it's got detached garage work, whatever these things might be, the more of these desirable factors you can have in one place, the less competition you really have. And you can stick to your price a little easier. If you are a row home with seven other row homes just like you on the same block for sale, it's much more price sensitive. So part of the part of the formula is understanding your leverage position. And that, if, you know, if there's any takeaway from this conversation to the listeners right now, I would say understand your leverage position because that really is everything when it comes to negotiating. And if you need some help understanding your leverage position, give John Carlson a call, 604-612-0080. Again, that's 604-612-0080. Or check out the website, johnnysmartpoint.com. John Carlson, it's been a long time since you and I had a decent chat on the radio. This was fun. Thanks ever so much. Looking forward to it again, Sterling. All the best. We'll be right back. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Once again, our thanks to John Carlson of 2% West Coast Realty for another very informative visit. JohnnySmartPoint.com for lots more local real estate info, too. Before we have to leave, here's another of this week's top consumer stories. According 
According to a recent global news story, here's some great advice for travelers looking to avoid high currency conversion costs on their vacation. Rule one is wherever possible, use a credit card. Now, they're not accepted everywhere, but they are widely used, and they do offer the lowest conversion rates from the local currency back to Canadian dollars. If you're offered a choice when you buy something abroad with your credit card, get charged in the local currency because you'll stand a better chance at a better rate of conversion if you do. Travel advisors say you should always have some local cash with you too. Not tons of loot bulging from your pockets, but enough local money to take a cab or grab a meal or deal with an unexpected demand. After credit cards, ATMs offer the best conversion rates, but be careful. They're not all equal. The experts warn particularly about avoiding ATMs located in airports, hotels, and of course, casinos. In all those cases, you'll be paying extra for the convenience. One final thought. If your credit card company likes to be notified before you buzz off on your dream getaway, then for goodness sake, take a minute and notify the company. Then relax and bon voyage. And that's it for this weekend's edition of Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. Thanks to all our guests and to producers Leila Kadir and Leonardo Coelho. And mostly, thank you for tuning in our show. For Martin Strong, I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday for another edition of Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.